The Warriors All 82 podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Warriors ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Warriors got the Knicks and Grizzlies in the Chase Center this week. That sounds like two possible wins. So uh, go to game time if you want to potentially see a Warriors home win. Hello and welcome to a momentum-building edition of the Warriors All-82 podcast. Darnell Mayberry in Chicago. Second time the Warriors have played the Bulls already this season. Second time the Warriors have won. 2-0 against the Bulls, 3-19 against everybody else. And you're sitting here. Beer in hand, although should I tell the audience that? Um, and you're already telling me that two things matter so far in this game, or at all in this game. Is this from the Bulls side of things or just overall? No, just in general, and it's really one. It's the fourth quarter. I mean, when the Warriors went on their run in the fourth quarter, outscored the Bulls 23-15, to 15, holding the Bulls to 15 points. I mean, you can speak to this team's defense, the Warriors, that is. Like, are they that good? Jim Boylan always raves about how tough – their lineups are and how how much physicality they have on the Warriors' side. Um, but to hold the Bulls to 15 points, the, the Bulls starters went a combined six points on two of 12 in the fourth quarter. That, to me, was surprising, and to me it was the game. Yeah, uh, so this Warriors' defense was the worst defense in the history of the NBA at one point early this season, maybe through about 10 games or so. Um, they were like 117.3 defensive rating, which was like basically equal to the Cavaliers last season. Remember how bad Cleveland was? <laughs> Um, but they have really lowered that. I think, especially after tonight, they're probably maybe like 24th in the league. I think someone tweeted 26th. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, there's, they've, they've kind of climbed up the ladder a little bit. Uh, and a lot of that is because, as you saw tonight, they're just a better team when Draymond Green is back. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein is getting a little bit better. You know, I thought he was as good as he's been defensively tonight because they can switch a bit more, which is better for Draymond, which is better for Cauley-Stein. It's just like the type of system they're better in. Um, Glenn Robinson's playing. I think just Russell being out there, he's not a great defender, but I don't know, just his presence. When you just have 11 guys you can rotate into a game, you can be better defensively. So I don't think they're necessarily uh, a like bottom five defense in the league when they have that personnel capabilities, but they're certainly not a top 15 defense, and they're certainly not a defense that you would expect to hold the Bulls to 15 points in the fourth quarter. Um, I mean, did you think that was more of a Chicago problem, I assume? Well, here's the thing. That was a season low for fourth quarter points for the Bulls. And you know their second season low? 17 In- at Golden State. So something about this Warriors team, I don't know what it is. a playoff team if they can play the Bulls. Yeah, so they can play the Bulls every night. Yeah, this is just not a good Bulls team right now. They got talent on paper, it seems. Guys who you would like to have, but like – they just haven't put it together. And the Warriors, you know, they come in and sweep them this season. That's a bad look for Chicago. Good look for the Warriors. Warriors got swept by the Charlotte Hornets, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this was about to be – look, I understand the injury issues. It's a lost season already. The Warriors are playing for lottery odds, so sometimes losses are better than wins. But this was going to be a pretty bad 0-5 road trip if Chicago beat the Warriors today. This was game five. They had lost – you know, got blown out in Atlanta by a bad Hawks team. Beat pretty easily by the Hornets. Um, lost late in Orlando. That was probably their best game in the road trip. 
easily were beaten in Miami by the best team they played. If Chicago beat them, that would have been, I think, four out of those five teams are like non-playoff Eastern Conference teams. Uh, and two of these games, because Russell and Draymond came back last game in Charlotte, would have been with those two on the floor. Um, so they kind of needed this win to just, you know, not only boost the morale, but just avoid like a really ugly looking road trip. Um, so I thought, you know, they play with more urgency. Like Chicago, I think, has caught them a couple times this season at the wrong time uh, where they were at home where they're better and they had just blown a 10 point. They should have beat the Thunder and they like blew a 10 point lead. And like Steve was saying, like that the couple practice days and shoot around after that was like two of the best they've had this season. They were a lot more focused, energized. Spellman was great in that game. Um, and they played really well that night. And then tonight, uh, again, like this was the best, regardless if they won or lost, like even if Levine hits the three and Bulls win, like this was probably the best the Warriors had played on the road trip, independent of opponents. So, um, yes, Chicago sucks, but I also think they've been a little unlucky <laughs> with when they've gotten the Warriors. Well, here's the thing about the Warriors. Like the guys they got back, D'Angelo Russell and, and Kevon Looney, they didn't even play well. Looney certainly didn't, uh, and he's kind of knocking off the rust, and Steve Kerr's been playing him at power forward because they have too many bigs healthy and not enough like other players. Um, so he was a non-factor. Russell didn't – like the stat sheet's not great. What, he go two of eight all on threes? Yeah. Um, but, I mean – This is four turnovers? But if you look at some of the game's most important plays down the stretch, they are – they begin with him getting blitzed on a screen up top. You know, he's getting doubled. He he drops it over the top to Draymond, who throws the lob to Glenn Robinson. That's the game winner. Willie Cauley-Stein had three buckets in the fourth quarter. At least two of them were started the play because, you know, two Bulls blitz D'Angelo Russell. And while D'Angelo Russell wasn't great tonight, the Warriors didn't have a player who would draw that attention previously. I just remember those threes. He was jacking late. And I'm like, YOLO, he, he was just throwing them up. Like, he didn't care. I was like, does I think he, he want to like, win this game? I think it was more like I'm trying to get my numbers and also kind of have a moment like, yeah, I didn't play well, but I hit the – because that would have been a dagger if he yeah, hit, hit yeah, one. Definitely. I, I just don't understand how the Bulls lost these guys twice. It's not, it, it isn't a good look. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I These Warriors, I they, they entered with the worst record in the league. They now are slightly better than the Knicks, who had quite a rough day. Um, but I also do think that a month from now, barring any other – injuries the Warriors are about to get a 12th body back Jacob Evans uh starting on Monday which will bump Jordan Poole from the rotation uh, which is very needed Jordan Poole what, what did he finish tonight 0 of 3 Jordan Poole went 0 of 3 yes he did guess what that makes him 0 of 19 in the last four games he has missed 19 straight shots he's just like a very negative rotation player and being able to knock him into a DMP is going to be important like they're about to play the Grizzlies at home after two off days and then the Knicks. Like, not only do I think the Warriors might be staring at a potential win streak coming up, like, I think they're going to climb into, like, maybe the fourth, fifth worst record instead of the worst record um, coming up. Again, I'm, I'm just trying to make the Bulls feel a little bit better, but they really should not feel good. No, bad. not at all. And you want to talk about Jordan Poole, how about giving my guy Glenn Robinson some love? I'm the resident Michigan fan here. Give my guy Glenn Robinson the third some love. Uh, you should read my post-game story. My, uh, all I wrote was about Glenn Robinson, okay. and, and, it, and it was a, it was a longer-term look at him because, um, you know, they got him on the minimum this season, and, you know, it kind of was viewed – you just kind of get a one-term stop or one-year stopgap at the wing, and then you kind of readjust things this summer. Um 
he hasn't like he has not had a very good career up until this point. You know, he's bounced from team to team. You know, the Pacers, the Pistons started uh, with Minnesota. Um, but this summer, he said he looked at Andre Iguodala tape. He watched a bunch of Andre Iguodala tape because he viewed himself, and he's not going to be Andre Iguodala, but in that role for the Warriors. Um, and I, prime example tonight, he looked like Iguodala in that dunker spot a couple times on the lob. Uh, he's defending well. He stopped Zach Levine. On, I thought, you know, he forced a pretty tough shot. Levine could have hit it, but, you know, he is their perimeter defender right now on the best scores, especially with Clay Thompson out. Um, and if you look at his season stats, he scores 20 tonight. He's now scored double figures, I think, 13 times. He's shooting 39% from three, which that is very capable 3 and D guy if you're hitting 39% of your shots on pretty high volume. 46% overall, 84% free throw shooter. He, to me, looks... Like a guy, and he's the only uh, player that started all 24 games, uh, like a guy that should be on this team playing 25 minutes a night next year when it matters, when they're back in the playoff conversation. And Draymond even said it tonight. Like, not only is he playing well that you would say, you know, like with Eric Pascal, you're like, you know, you're getting opportunities. But with Glenn Robinson, it's like, no, no, he seems like he could really fit the Warriors style, even if he's shooting less shots. Yeah, he was – Mr. Versatility at Michigan. So he was always doing – he has a long history of doing a lot of things on the floor. But if I'm a Warriors fan, I like some of these pieces that are emerging while the main guys are out because when they come back, they're going to have a nice little um, team of depth and, and some players who can go out there and show that they're not afraid to, to contribute uh, in positive ways. I, I really love Spellman's game. He's got to be more consistent, it looks like. Um, Pasco's really good player, and his aggressiveness – I mean, he just eats up Larry Markinen at times. And you're like, one guy was the seventh overall pick. The other guy was, where was he picked? 41. 41st. So, like, those In are a the, bad draft, it's starting to look like. It's crazy they got him at 41. Those are the things I'm looking at, you know. I mean, you, you mentioned some of the other guys, like Collie Stein hadn't been great. Uh, but Chris can do some things. I remember last year we said on this podcast, I was a fan of Damian. What was his name? Damian J- James? Jones. Jones. Damian Jones. Damian Jones. They and, traded him for Spellman this summer. and that, yeah, that didn't work out too well for him in Golden State. But they got something for him. They got some nice pieces on that team. I like them. What What do you think about Pascal? You know, I mean, you kind of allude to a little bit there. But, the, you know, as far as nobody, I don't think, is using this season better than him. Um, and if the Warriors just had the season they were expecting with a healthy Curry and they were trying to get to the playoffs, uh, I mean, Pascal obviously I think would have emerged as a solid player, but I think he'll be much better entering year two than he would have been if he was playing more of a bench role, an 18-minute-per-night role. Like, he's really kind of blossoming. Um, you know, he wasn't fantastic tonight. He's had much better nights, but, I mean, you mentioned just like the, the powerful way he goes about things. Everything he does on the floor is done with purpose, and that to me is really impressive from him, especially as a young guy. He doesn't look unsure of himself in terms of when I've seen him. I haven't watched the, the Warriors' 24 games, but um, and the two that I've really paid close attention to against the Bulls, everything he does yeah. is with purpose, and whether he's inside or outside, whether he's on offense or defense, he just seems to be out there playing with with great purpose and intensity. And I think when a young guy has that, and we've been around a lot of young guys that we've covered who don't have that, but he's not one of them. Yeah, I mean, 23. It's funny. If you look at this draft, like the the a lot of the best players, especially the best guys picked out of the lottery, are the older players, that, which are like, you know, they their draft stock tumbles because of their age. But, I mean, you know, there's always a recorrection. Um, 
year to year from past mistakes. I mean, maybe teams start looking more heavily at the older guys who've developed at better programs. Pascal was was a good role player at Villanova. You know, he wasn't a star. Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you're 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 into college basketball. You're into big program college basketball. Um, do you think that's maybe uh, some? I guess like a weak spot of teams that they, they just they're obsessed over the the young players. Look at his teammate. I mean, how long did Draymond stay at Michigan State? Four, you All know, four same. years. Yeah, I don't know it was three or four. So I mean, like same thing. Slips to the second round earlier in the second round, I believe. Yeah, thirty five. Yeah. But you know, Draymond at thirty five. That's right. a, that's an All Star. Right, and potential Hall of Famer. Yeah. A lot of people would say Hall of Famer. Um, I do think the age thing is is kind of overblown sometimes in the draft. Um, but you can understand why teams would want a 19-year-old as opposed to a 23-year-old, thinking that the 19-year-old has that much more potential. Yeah, uh, but one thing is, like, even if Poole at age 23, for example, Poole has really struggled, becomes a player, like, he's already kind of almost off his rookie contract by the time he's a young player. You're looking at Pascal, like, already pretty much guaranteed solid rotation player, even on a good team next year. And that's when you get him at its cheapest. You know, he's making eight hundred thousand this year. He's going to make like one point two million. You know how important that is yeah. next year for a Warriors team that is paying a hundred million combined to three guards, basically, and like a hundred twenty million if you well, count Draymond. Russell won't be there, right? Well, regardless, whoever they get for him is going to be a high salary guy. You know, like they just don't have flexibility right. financially. And I, I mean, because of the the fact that they got an older, ready to contribute player. Um, I mean that's just vital to, for them. Um, any w- anything else from from the night in general? Steve Kerr, um, I think, has outclassed Jim Boylan twice. Shocker. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's not really stepping out on a limb there. But I mean, you can see. I mean, I'm just giving Steve Kerr a shout out because he had this talent for the last four or five years, and it's easy for coaches like him to not get a lot of credit because of the just the awesomeness that they have in terms of talent. But now he doesn't have much much there, and you can still see that he's one of the better coaches in the league. What did you like from him tonight? Uh, I just like the fact that he puts his players in certain positions where they can go out there, and no matter who they have on the floor, he has a game plan that seems to work for them. Um, they play hard, number one, which I think you know some coaches, and Jim Boylan has talked about how coaches aren't supposed to coach effort at this level. But I do think it's something for to be said for when a coach has a team that consistently plays hard. And those guys play hard for him. Uh, I know a lot of guys are trying to make their names in the league and, and establish their roles going forward. But number one, they play hard for him. Number two, he seems to put them in systems and situations where they can succeed. Well, the vibe around the team is really good. And that's, you, that's very um, unique for a five and 19 NBA team, you know, and some of that is beyond just Kerr. I mean, that goes above him with how Bob Myers controls thing. And it's just the circumstances, the context of the fact that, you know, the Warriors, Steve Kerr is not worried about his job, which allows him to coach with much more ease and less pressure. And also the fact that, you know, they know who is coming back next year. Um, they kind of know it's a loss season. They know it's a teaching season. Whereas, you know, you look across the way, I don't think Jim Boylan is a good coach. I don't think he's doing things well, but also he's facing different circumstances. Like he's probably a little bit panicked about like his future in the NBA as a coach. Well, here's the thing. And, and it's more of what Jim didn't do tonight than, than maybe what Steve did. Like Denzel Valentine and Kobe White had, I think it was 14 combined points in the second half. 
And then Jim Boylan comes out and subs wholesale substitutions, all five guys with eight and a half minutes left in the fourth. Never mind the fact that Denzel Valentine had just hit two threes to start the fourth. Kobe White hit two threes in the final two minutes of the third. He takes those guys out, puts his starters back in, which is something he hasn't done in previous games. He's, he's uh, kind of gone with his reserves for more fourth quarter minutes than he should. And then tonight he comes and takes out two hot guys when they've got it rolling offensively. And Emotionally, I think, too, the way Valentine yeah, was really. And I think that really hurt the Bulls down the stretch. They scored eight point, or six points in the last eight and a half minutes of the game. He took out two of his better offensive players and put in, you know, Chris Dunn's not an offensive player. He's a defender. Thomas Adoransky's hit or miss. So he could have left those two guys on the bench and, and rolled with Denzel and Kobe. Chris Dunn plays too much. I mean, this roster's flawed. Like, they, they don't really have much plays, of well, I mean, shouldn't they be playing their rookie who has been – would you consider – I mean, he's having a pretty impressive rookie season. Yeah, his field goal percentage is not very good. He's he's a bit of a chucker, but most but rookie when guards gets, struggle. But when he gets hot, he gets And hot. he got hot in the second half a little bit. He started making a couple threes and – Maybe try to ride that instead of going to Chris Dunn. That's what I'm saying, and that's why – Steve Kerr outcoached him again because Jim Boylan just makes these head-scratching decisions. Yeah, Kerr actually uh, kept Pascal on the bench late um, for Cauley Stein. That's the sub that he would have made. Um, but, I, you know, it was the right move because Cauley Stein had his best game as a warrior. He was, you know, it was working. He scored three times. He was kind of defending pretty well. So I guess that's an example of, of pushing the right button from Kerr. Um, anything else? I'm glad that uh, these two teams don't have to play each other again. Warriors fans might not be glad, but... I don't know. I mean, some Warriors fans are like, slow down. Yeah, you you, you passed the Knicks much. tonight. Right. Yeah, they're not the worst team in the league anymore. No, they're not. And it doesn't seem like the Knicks uh, are, are going to be steaming to too many more wins. Word of advice for uh, Warriors fans who aren't familiar with the lottery anymore. They've changed the odds. So just because you got the worst team doesn't mean you're going to have the best odds. So. True. It's flattened odds, especially for the top three. It's, I believe, the exact same. Yeah. But – if you get if you have the worst record in the league, you're guaranteed a top five pick. Which, uh, in a draft that doesn't seem to have a Zion Williamson or even a Job Morant, it does seem kind of deep in that first five, six, seven. Um, so I mean, you want to just guarantee yourself as high as possible. But at the same time, the Warriors do not want to um, stumble through a 17 win season. I think this Warriors team would be a lot happier. Overall, the franchise would be even if it's 27 wins, but there's just a better vibe around the young guys, and they end up, you know, you end up getting the six pick. And it might not matter for the Warriors as much for as it does for other teams because they've got Steph Curry coming back, they've got Klay Thompson coming back, they have Draymond Green in the fold. Those guys know how to win. But you look at teams like this Bulls team; these guys don't have any idea how to win. So I think it is valuable for those Warriors, these young Warriors who we're seeing now, go out there and get some experience and learn how to win these games. Darnell Mayberry, Enjoy, you enjoying this season? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, you haven't. Uh, what What's the best Bulls team since you've been covering this franchise? Seven win uh, team where Bobby Portis knocked out Nico Miritich. That was fun. That was weird. That was, was your my first second team. day on the job with the Athletic. That was my second day on the job. You had a, a teammate-on-teammate fight. Huh? Yeah, that led to one guy going to the hospital. And kind of led, you know, was probably the spark that really led to both those guys' departures eventually. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, those two could really help them. Although Miritich doesn't want to be in the NBA anymore. Right, and they got Otto Porter for 
Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker. But he's only played, he played, what, nine games this year and 15 last year. So he's only played 24 games in a, in a Bulls uniform. So that trade's not looking great right now. How does this get solved in Chicago? That depends on who you ask. Some people think that they just need to sell the team, the owners, the Reinsdorfs. Some people feel like the Reinsdorfs need to put in new management, whether it's, you know, John Paxson, Gar Foreman, um, just kind of completely overhaul the front office. And then obviously there's a lot of uh, support for firing Jim Boylan at this point, just because you're not seeing the results. You're not seeing uh, enough positive momentum and, there's just not a lot of things that you can point to to say this guy is helping us in terms of win, winning games. As someone who looks at the league well, you, you have a deep future with it, cover every season of the Thunder, basically, the, of the first, what, seven, eight? Seven, eight, yeah, something like that. Um, do you think this Warriors team is going to come back next year and immediately be like a top three West team? Or do you think they're coming back into – Maybe a tougher situation than, than people want to realize. No, I mean, I think they could be top three. You look at the Lakers and the Clippers, you would figure AD and LeBron aren't going anywhere. You would figure. Although that, Davis is like weirdly not committed, like non committal. He, he ain't leaving LA. You would figure Paul George and Kawhi Leonard aren't going anywhere. I think they had a chance to be one of the best defensive teams in the league. You still got to deal with them. But right after that, like, I don't like Houston's long term chances with Russ and, and James Harden. Um, so right after those two teams, I'm looking at the Warriors when they get their guys back. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Denver has a nice Denver, future. Utah, you, a little bit. Portland's falling off. But that's less top-level star power than the Warriors will have, and we both know that's what wins right. in the playoffs. Right, and you still got Curry and Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson, I think, is the – he's probably the most underappreciated guy in the league. People understand what he can do. There's, there's no doubt about that, but the fact that – how many did he score? At, at like 61. Are you he's had a couple of times where he, he just went off. Yeah, uh, he had the 60 points in 29 minutes, and he only dribbled 11 times yeah, against the yeah, Pacers. Yeah, and yeah. that's what makes him he's such a he's such a star that is so antithetical to most stars that are ball dominant right. and don't really necessarily play defense. He is a guy who does not need to control the game at all. He will just like light you up when you're where you're not looking, basically. And he plays D. Is a great defender. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know if we'll get back to it because, look, at torn ACL, uh, you know, which maybe I should talk to you about Zach Levine, who's now probably yeah. two years in uh, from his return. Uh, we'll see how Clay returns from it. But at the time he got injured, he was unbelievable in that finals. He was great all playoffs. He was guarding Kawhi Leonard in that game six. He had 30 in the third quarter, and he looked very much like he was about to drag that thing back to Toronto for a game seven, including he's flying in for the transition dunk that would have given them, I think, like some type of lead. And that's when Danny Green kind of knocks him off balance. He tears the ACL. Um, but, you know, I he's, he's really good. Last subject, because I mentioned it, Zach Levine. Uh, tell me about the, the ACL rehab. You know, he was an unbelievably athletic guy. Where do you think his athleticism is today, and and how different is he year two off the return from ACL from year one? Because a lot of people say it really kind of – you can play after a year, but you're really not back to yourself for yeah, two. He's noticeably different this year than he was last year. And I talked to his dad about it a lot um, going back to his first year coming off the ACL. He – the, one, the way that his dad looked at it was how Levine runs, how he runs the floor. He says he runs like a gazelle, and he wasn't running 
the same way in that first year after the ACL injury as he is now. Um, How many months after the tear did he play? He tore it in, I want to say it was either January or February of 2016 or 17. Um, I think it was 17. And then he comes back. Uh, I'm bad with these dates. Uh, but Levine, I think, is at a different place. This is his, well, hell, Clay's been in the league forever. So Levine's thing is I think he wants to slow down and not be as reliant on his explosiveness and athleticism. Uh, so I think he's made a conscious decision to try to scale back a little bit and not just be, you know, 100 miles per hour all the time or relying on his leaping ability every single time. So he's tried to be smarter about when he uses it and how he uses it. And Clay doesn't have, have those athleticism problems, of course, um, but I think his mindset is going to matter a lot, how he approaches it when he comes back. That's the thing that, that I think stood out for Levine. His approach, I think he tried to be smart about his approach to, to coming back from that ACL injury. Yeah, I think one good thing for Clay uh, is how this season turned for the Warriors. There was an expectation early in the season that maybe, you know, they'd be in it because Steph was not going to get hurt, you know, and they're ideal rosy scenario they they'd be maybe the six seed seven seed come march and then clay could come back um and they would like really kind of try to fight in the playoffs and fight their way through the west again steph getting injured season turning to a disaster it takes all the pressure off clay thompson's rehab even if you bring him back late this season for a few games it's in more of a controlled environment that is about hey you know, let's play you 18 minutes tonight kind of see how the knee holds up and then he gets the full summer um, so the next time from when he tore the ACL, which is, you know, last June to October 2020, which is the next time he's actually needed for a competitive Warriors game that matters. Um, how many months is that? I mean, that's 15, 16 months. Like that is a good, healthy amount of time for an ACL uh, rehab. So, you know, I think long term and, and the one thing about ACL tears more than Achilles it seems like you do eventually kind of get back to the player you were where Achilles it's hard and everybody says the ACL is not nearly as severe as it used to be yeah. you can come back from that yeah all right Darnell kept you longer than I should have uh thank you uh from this road trip it's been it's been a long you ready one. to get home I'm very ready to get home Warriors are too um they play I don't know how many of them they only in December have three more road games and I think they got like nine home games. So it's about to be a nice, healthy home stretch where they have been better in that building. Although I guess the Bulls are better everywhere. Go see the Warriors and chase Warriors fans. It's a beautiful building. And it's also cheaper to get in. Yeah. Uh, I actually have to do a, um ad read that if you listen to this on iTunes, we're about to do that ad read actually. Um, but for you loyal athletic subscribers, which you should be subscribed to The Athletic, you can read me and Darnell. Thank you for listening. And I will talk to you when we get back to the Bay.